Thanks for tuning in to part two of my conversation with all four ministers of Beargrass Christian Church. We've been talking about church in the postmodern world. And if you've not yet listened to part one of our conversation, I highly recommend you begin with that episode as we build upon some of the thoughts shared. We left off talking about connections. How can we foster two-way connections in our virtual world? In this episode, we dive even deeper into this topic. Here now is part two of our conversation. So there are churches now that are completely online. See, and I, it's great for them, but I think I push back a little, not that it's bad and not that but it doesn't resonate for me personally, because I think there's still something about that physical presence. I mean, you and I are sitting across the table from each other. I'm looking you in the eye and there is a connection that happens there at a deeper mm-hmm. level. Mm-hmm. So maybe it is a good, better, best. I don't know. I don't want to cast judgment on somebody else's expression of church, but I think about driving home from church camp this past summer, I happen to have a car full of, of high school uh, students and we had just come off a week at church camp. Part of the policies at camp is that they have to surrender their cell phone on day one. They don't have it for a week. <laughs> and I commented as they, as we all hit, you know, civilization and their phones blew up with everything they'd missed for a week. Gosh, you know, have, did you miss having it? And to a person, all of those children said, no, we loved ditching that mm-hmm. for a week and being totally disconnected virtually so that we could be connected in person and fully focused at camp. So there's still something inside that in, inside us as people that crave that. Mm-hmm. And so I would kind of, at the moment, and I may be the second dinosaur in the room, I don't know, but <laughs> I, I feel like the, 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 the digital tools and the social media tools we have may be a, just that, a tool to try to pull us back toward a physical connection where, where possible. Mm-hmm. But certainly I give thanks for, uh, for those who can't have the physical connection that the virtual one is out there, but I don't Think, I don't think we can ignore one um, to the benefit of the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that goes both ways. So. And that is for me, too. I mean, I'm, I'm the most recent seminary grad in the room, and I attended a seminary that was part online, but part intensive. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I remember when the sem- I was one of the wasn't one of the first students, but was in the first couple of years. Yeah. And the, people, the seminary was all worried about, would there be a connection amongst the students when they're only meeting online? Mm-hmm. They were planning icebreakers for the first time they gathered <laughs> on person, not realizing the students had formed a group online yeah. and gotten to know each other and had a support system all online. Mm-hmm. But cool. at the same time, we talk about our favorite memories of seminary. And yes, we connect online. The hugs you would get when you saw somebody for the first time in person at intensives. Mm-hmm. People will comment that together time was so important. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to knock a church that's only online, but I think as Rob said, there's something about that in-person togetherness. It doesn't have to happen all the time. Mm-hmm. Our seminar, my seminary experience was very successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and But I treasure those times when we were in class for eight hours a day and then at the hotel at night just chatting and laughing and uh-huh. talking and whatever. Whatever. Yeah. And so. Yeah. And I, I was supervising them during the time, and it was interesting to see the seminary was not prepared for where they all were already. Yeah. And and Stephen was, you know, he was a big part of helping the seminary get on board, basically to say, this is how this should be happening. So he was he was leading the leaders uh, because they were already there. So, That's so yeah. typical for Stephen, though. Let's <laughs> yeah. be honest. Yeah. He's being the overachiever that he is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, he was the guinea pig that said, here's how this can be better. Uh, catch up with us, please. Right. Right. Uh, uh, which was cool. You know, so, go ahead. I was just going to say, it also makes me think about the connection, like our older adults who may or may not, you know, have the technolo- technology 
Um, I love that some of our older adults who can't get here, you know, get the yeah. podcast and that kind of thing. But there are still, you know, those out there, and it's important to continue to make those. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But how do they light up when you walk in the room in person? Right. Oh, yeah. sure. Right. So yeah. it's a both yeah. and. I think we've got to have both. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Right. Well, it's interesting. As you know, I make birthday calls to everybody oh, yeah. in the church. I love it. It's, it's amazing, <laughs> frankly. Yeah. Really? Not, I, I don't want but, but I know you don't want to toot your horn. We will. That's incredible. <laughs> so. No horn tooting. But, but just... The approach I take with birthday calls depends on on the person, oh, and and, yeah. and the, for instance, Eleanor Coon was out of the, out of state, but was so much part of this church. Yeah. Could, you know, nursing home. I would send her a postcard because she that mail was the only way. Uh, some of her older adults don't have anything but a phone, so mm-hmm. I'll call them, and they love a personal. Uh, and then you move down the line, it gets the emails, it gets the text. Uh, our young people. My daughter gets emails from you. Yeah, young absolutely. Love getting a text or an email, and they, yep. they get back to me right away. Thanks for thinking about me. So, depending on age, stage, situation, the birthday greetings go out in, in a multiple uh, in multiple yeah. ways. So, all appreciated. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't help but think in this last conversation um, a couple of things. One, um, whenever you talked about, you know, Stephen, whenever you talked about having your classes online and then nothing beat the first time you saw each other, you know, and just whenever you go to have those intensive, I know that you know, a, a big part of that is a painful growing period, but also a sense of celebration. Mm-hmm. And how can you, to me, celebrations are limited online because it's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, for the most part, it's you and your keyboard. <laughs> you, know, you can't see that. Rats on Facebook or that something. Is, there's no emoji that can beat a hug in That's person. Right, yeah. right. And then like, it made me think of something that is so <laughs> critical to disciples, and that is um, the table. Sure. Yeah. Um, And it made me, I sort of went, I had a lot of different thoughts about this. And you guys let me know what you think. Um, You know, my first thought was, oh my goodness, I would hate to have to take communion by myself in front of a computer. Ouch. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So what does a virtual table look like? Yeah. What does a virtual table look like? Because for me, one of the most moving parts of... The table, I love, first of all, I love intinction, um, is looking as both someone who has presided over communion, but also who obviously receives communion, Mm -hmm. is looking in the person's eye. Mm -hmm. And whenever uh, I was a pastor, whenever I um, presided, uh, we would serve, and only the pastors in my tradition would serve. Um, And I would make it a point to say everybody's name. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's my favorite Sunday. Those are yeah. some days I get to Susan. serve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Susan, mm-hmm. the bread of life. Yeah. You know. mm-hmm. uh, and and not only did it oftentimes bring me to tears, this connection, but it I mean it's just a very holy, sacred, yeah. meaningful time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought about okay, so what would that look like? And then the second thing I thought was, you know, Jesus is the entire remember me. And so the bread and the cup become Jesus's virtual connection to us in some ways, mm-hmm. right? But it's still this physical form. Sure. 
it's still something tangible, something that we can mm. we can go to, we can hold, we can feel, we can taste, we can mm-hmm. smell the bread, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, what are y'all thoughts on all of that? So, but I think that may be the question: is the, the the religious movement or church that can somehow figure out the virtual table is uniquely poised for this 21st century church. I think that is the the core of this, is how do we create that in a world that is increasingly digital and virtual? And and oddly enough, reading through some of the articles you provided, talked about the televangelists way back when, and I still remember having members of my congregations who would watch those programs because they couldn't get physically mm-hmm. to church, yeah. but they would have their bread and cup, or they would have their communion, and, and during that service would, would take by themselves mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. as a part of this worship experience, mm-hmm. and that meant a lot to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, anytime, and Susan, you know, and, and when you, we get all kinds of calls, uh, can you bring communion to me? That's, that's yeah. that connection, and um, so even even with virtual communion, I guess there's a way when you're by yourself, which just seems wrong <laughs> because it's community and we should be connected. But do we recognize that connection uh, that transcends maybe even our understanding about yeah. how we're connected? Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, well, rather than critique, maybe affirm, yes, that... That, that's powerful, that's meaningful for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's embrace that. And uh, so, yeah, it's an interesting uh, time. But I, you know, I, I resonate with your experience the intention and the connection, mm-hmm. the eye to eye, the name to name, the mutual support, the leveling of the field, the, mm-hmm. the, the physical. Uh, well, as each person comes that. forward, you can't help but think about their story oh, or what you know about their life. Yeah, and and, the and there's a moment of prayer for them. Watch everybody yeah. that's my I pray for part. everybody. Who walks yep. through that line because I know everybody's got a story and stuff, yeah. and just the fact that they're there is a powerful witness. Uh, uh, so, yeah, yeah. So, so, what do you believe is necessary um, for Beargrass to be able to address some of these needs that we've talked about? I mean, we've talked about um, the generational gaps, we've talked about, um, you know, kids um, and their kind of need for technology and, you know, virtual connection. But also, Stephen, you talking about, you know, even the way that you do children's ministry has changed and may need to continue to shift and change. And um, Susan, you've uh, talked about how important it is for folks who are homebound or in the hospital to still be able to have some sort of connection to the church. And Rob, you know, you've talked eloquently about, you Uh-oh, know, the, too much credit. <laughs> Well, I mean, just about, you know, our our teenagers and young adults feeling, you know, like they need to be a part of this larger faith uh, family. So what, you know, where does this leave bear grass and what, what, you know, this is more, I guess, the practical side of it. What ingredients are necessary for you to be able to do um, what you might call or one might call effective ministry in the 21st century? So I think for me, and this goes back to that transition in the culture from should to wherever we are now, 
and that the essential ingredient is listening. And so that we are listening to our people and what they need, what ministries and programs and manifestations of church are helping them find meaning and help them interpret God's presence in the world and in their life today. And then what beloved programs, ministries, manifestations are really not fitting the bill anymore and being able to give them the freedom to let those things go. Um, uh, and, and so if we are appropriately listening both to the people into the spirit, because that's where we get to be innovators and think about, hey, I've got this nudge. I love Lee's yeah. phrase about the nudge. I've got this nudge about a new something or a new way to do this. Mm-hmm. And so in the should generation, you could just throw up a sign and say, you know, I mean, it, it was I don't think there was the, the requirement of listening at, at the same level that there is now. And so now if we are being truly sensitive and listening to the needs of our people and to the movement of the spirit, hopefully we continue to shift and grow toward uh, what the church, uh, w- what God is leading the church to be now and into the future. Mm-hmm. I think I just listening, but also being open to yeah. it yeah. because um, we don't know exactly what's going to be needed yeah, five know. years from now. Right. I think back, you know, some of my, I, I'm the one probably has the most years in this church, in this room, for sure, since I kind of was born into this congregation. Um, won't say how many years, thank you. Um, but I'm still the baby in the room, so that's kind of exciting. Um, one of the things that I enjoyed most don't happen anymore. Right. And that's okay. You know, if you had told me when I started here, you know, if 10 years later, you're going to have a farmer's market that's booming on your corner. I'm like, what's a farmer's market? Mm-hmm. We don't know exactly where the spirit's going to guide us, but we want to be ready and open to respond. And that just takes resources to be say, able to say, be ready to answer that call and to be willing to say, as Rob said, you know, it's okay to let some things die. Sure. I remember something we used to do this lunch for children certain times a year. And but when the farmer's market started, it got a pain to do because we couldn't get people in the building to set up for the time because doors were locked and all this. And so one year I just said, let's just not schedule it and see if anybody notices. Right, right. And one person asked me and I said, well, with the farmer's market, it was just locking doors. It was just really hard. She goes, oh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And we never did that particular lunch for the kids again. And nobody complained. Mm-hmm. Yep. And sometimes things just, things, you know, as life have a cycle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And something, you have to let go of some things in order for new things to grow. Right. Yeah. Right. We prune our trees every fall. Sure. So that new growth can happen. Yeah. We have to cut back so new things can happen mm-hmm. sometimes. But we give people that permission, and that's the piece. You know, mm-hmm. and give them the tools to grieve something, let it go, and then be prepared for a new birth. I, I think that's a powerful role that we have. And yep. celebrate it, too. Yeah, absolutely. Because absolutely, absolutely. there's some things that have done great ministry that yeah. should be celebrated. Um, just because a ministry is ending does not mean it wasn't effective for what it was sure. doing. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I, I think we have to commend the congregation. Because of the DNA that's been here long before any of us were here, mm-hmm. uh, Mary Beth Guy, former mm-hmm. pastor, used to yeah. say, "Beargrass is still here because it's always had the ability to reinvent itself." Mm-hmm. And I think that DNA is part of, of the spirit of this church. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, "Sometimes we reinvented by building a new building." Uh, sometimes it was a new staff person sometimes it was a new ministry sometimes it was just a change of, of staff to different areas and she was the one who wore four or five different hats in her yeah. journey through this place 
but the, the church is uh, remarkable in that regard because they, they don't, I mean, the, the older folk intentionally have passed on leadership to the next generation, knowing that if they don't, this place will die. Yeah. And so those things were already set up before we got here, and I think that continues. And, and I'm, I'm real proud of Beargrass for the past decade, you know, the farmer's market was kind of the kickoff of the outside the walls movement, which is in, is booming right now in so many ways. And yet the inside the walls movement has, has caught people's attention too, because I, when we tell people that there are more people in support groups in, the, in, the, in this building mm-hmm. that during the week than there are in worship on Sunday, they go, yeah. what? Yeah. What? What are you talking about? I said, every night, this place, every afternoon, the, the parking lot's packed out. I don't even know who's meeting here. Mm-hmm. But people are getting, they're getting ministry in their small group, these support groups. Mm-hmm. And people are very proud that we have a building policy. And that's not that true. You know, some buildings will not allow these folks to come in. Uh, but but it's an open door policy. And so if you got a support ministry, come on. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, so just we're the recipients of, of some some great gifts uh, from folks who've gone before us. And I, and I think that spirit will continue. In modern times, the church was the center of the community. Mm-hmm. And as we've moved into postmodern times, that is not very often the case. Right. But that definitely is the case for Beargrass. And I think, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, there are hundreds of thousands of people who come through here on a weekly basis for support groups and to receive care. I mean, I would include the homeless folks that receive food from Fed with Faith. Sure. Absolutely. That's taking the church to the streets. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that was a nudge. Movement from Gene and Wendy Megan there. Yeah. yeah. Do you mind if we try this? That was the question that they came in and said, "Would it be okay if?" And I, uh, bless yes. you. Yes. <laughs> Go please for please it. Please, please do. do. Um, the farmers market them. was. Uh, yeah. do, do you mind if we try this? Go forth and do, give it a shot. I you know. So yeah, those those have been fun to watch. But that culture is so crucial. That that permission to try. Mm-hmm. And risk failure. Yeah. That's great. And yeah. lay it out and let's be honest. Yeah. We won't name them here. It's not <laughs> a positive podcast. We have had some that haven't worked as well. Sure. And that's sure. okay that's to say. Yes. That's yes. great. I mean, not every ministry takes off. Exactly. Yeah. But, but we have the freedom to try. try. Right. But, right. And Beargrass has the culture to put resources behind these things, too, right. as Lee talked about, that that's mm-hmm. built into who we are. Is mm-hmm. Okay, that's a neat idea. Let's throw something at it. What resources do you need? I mean, I sit on the outreach committee. That's the attitude of that group. Mm-hmm. What do you, do you need, need to make, to make this? this successful? Yeah. Yeah. What can we put behind you, both in monetary resources, but personnel resources? Mm-hmm. Right. Is there a staff person? Uh, or do we need to help you recruit volunteers, et cetera? Mm-hmm. And I, that, to me, um, that's a huge yeah. part of what it means, too. Be church yeah. in order to allow us to go do church. There we right. go. I'm right there back we go. Yeah. We're, finding, yeah. we're finding the yeah. distinction. And just like you, I mean, just <laughs> folks tithing or the year we were short and mm-hmm. people yeah. just amazingly just step up, step up and, mm-hmm. and give and the new Beargrass Forever initiative mm-hmm. and just, mm-hmm. yeah, you know. Yeah. And back to the stewardship question, even though worship attendance is is plateaued, uh, giving has remained solid or, or growing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. 
So the folks are connected, whether they're here four times every Sunday or right. Saturday mm -hmm. or once a month or once in a while, uh, they're still investing heavily mm -hmm. because they believe in what, what we're doing as a community of faith. Mm -hmm. And, and, and um, we've got so many people who are very sharp about seeing the number of lies when Alan Forsyth yeah. you know, gets his pencil. He's so excited at <laughs> yeah. how, many, how many people walk through our doors. And so mm -hmm. uh, we'll see that material from him, I'm sure. Uh, but but people, are, people are investing in because they know lives are getting uh, changed and we're making a difference. So uh, that's exciting. So talking about, you know, the listening, being open to uh, where the, the spirit moves and permission giving, permission to, to try it and fail. Uh, are there anything, any dreams or anything that you would, any part of your ministries that you would like to do or reinvent um, that would require you know, resources or new way of thinking about things or sort of out of the box, out of the building sort of initiatives that, that have been on your mind? Gosh, no, I, I guess but part of what, what hit me was, well, but yet I already feel like anything I need, all I have to do is ask and the resources are there. So I haven't, I don't have a laundry list of things that if only I had this, I could do that because of what we just talked about. Mm -hmm. That I have every blessing. confidence that, yeah. yo, I've never known ministry yeah. like this. Yeah. But every, every, <laughs> literally, I just have every confidence that if, if we see an opportunity, our people will step up. Well, and well, I love that. I'm thrilled with it. Three years ago, um, I planted the seed to do the mission day camp with the kids. Absolutely. Um, and I had seen another colleague do it and was like, oh, I think I might do it a little differently, but I think that could really work here. We have a strong culture of adult mission trips in high school. I'm like, our kids can serve. If you ever get, don't get me on my soapbox, um, you the kids are served. Yeah. Yeah. But I planted the seed and now people are saying, what do you need for that? Do you need something else? Tech, they want you to do it during Christmas. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah, it's like, so, you know, I think I'm looking toward the future. One of the things I would love, we're reimagining what Vacation Bible School is because it is not the same. Um, but not, not, not that it's bad. You know, used to have a daytime model. Um, we now have a nighttime model because parents work. Yeah. Um, and when we went to that model... We are we charge money to order to cover some costs like the meals and the T-shirts. One of the dreams I have for the future is to go back to a free VBS because I think you can reach out to people better in your community. <laughs> I'm not sure. It's not a huge fee, mm -hmm. but it's any fee turning them off from being here and reaching out to them. And so are we looking in the future? How do we reimagine that ministry and what is its purpose? And so that's something to look at in children's ministry that we're looking at in the next year, a couple years. All right, guys, thanks so much for sitting down, taking the time. Um, thank you. Thank you. Good conversation. I don't know about you, but I'm excited about the future of Beargrass. I think we have such an amazing team of ministers and leaders that are not only knowledgeable about scripture and faith, but are also innovative and courageous leaders. I can't wait to see what the future holds. We wrap up our sermon series, We Are Beargrass, and our stewardship emphasis this Sunday. We would love to see you around the table. There's a great deal going on in the life of our community, and to learn more about the classes, activities, and our special holiday events, visit our website at www.beargrass.org. Also, follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and be part of helping us create a virtual community. Until next time, peace.